Welcome to the Hidden Orchard Podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the deeper concepts and the intersection of Jewish wisdom, the New Testament, and science. We will bring you fascinating insights from the ancient and modern sources, all with the goal of improving and getting the most out of life. Visit our website at thehiddenorchard.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get more information like this. Now, today's episode. The writings of the Apostle Paul, also known as the Epistles, hold immense significance in Christian theology. Perhaps among the most influential writings of human history, it's plausible that at times Paul's letters have received more study than most other books in the Bible. His letters received so much attention partly because they seem to contain the timeless instructions for the church, as Paul is often considered the first Christian convert. Of course, these assumptions are challenged by Paul's continued observance of Shabbat and the Jewish holidays, as we've covered in other articles. Another dimension we will explore in this article is that Paul's letters fall neatly within a category of rabbinic legal correspondence known as responsa. Not only does this highlight Paul's continued connection to the Jewish oral tradition, but it also changes how we read his letters. Remember, Paul is a Pharisee, known as Shaul in Hebrew. He was a highly educated Jew with intense Pharisaic training. His background as a student of Rabban Gamliel underscores his intimate familiarity with Jewish law, tradition, and the Pharisaic hashkafa, or worldview. Whether written by himself or under his name, as some scholars debate, Paul's epistles display a comprehensive understanding of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. Rabbinic metaphors and mystical frameworks are all part of his writings, precisely what you would expect from a rabbi, a scholar, and a mystic. But what is responsa? Responsa, also called questions and answers, typically involves written correspondence from a community to a rabbinic authority regarding various legal or theological matters. Responsa follows a structured format. Beginning with the greeting, the context and the particular question raised, followed by the analysis of relevant Jewish legal sources, scriptural references, and other precedents. Paul's epistles contain these core elements. His letters are unique because they are aimed generally towards a diverse Gentile audience to whom the world of Torah is alien. Answering these queries required a rabbi who was well-versed in scripture Jewish law, and the halakhic process. Paul's background makes him a qualified candidate for all of these. For instance, one might write a question to a learned rabbi to resolve an acute situation in the community, seek clarity regarding the observance of certain mitzvot, understanding a challenging passage of scripture, or even seeking guidance. One did not, however, have to be the leading authority of that generation to answer these questions. As the website My Jewish Learning states, a rabbi was qualified to act as a respondent, simply because his peers looked upon him as a reliable authority. In pre-Mishnah times, his Pharisaic training and professional experience gave him the credentials to figure out where to begin integrating Gentiles into these synagogue communities, particularly in the diaspora. This was not a simple matter, as we discussed in various other articles on the Hidden Orchard Project. If you remember in 1 Corinthians, we see evidence that an earlier correspondence had already occurred In 1 Corinthians, we realize 1 Corinthians is not the first letter. Reading from 1 Corinthians 5.9, it says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And also in 1 Corinthians 7.1, it says, 
Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. In these chapters of 1 Corinthians, we can see that Paul has already had correspondence with this community about particular issues. The people writing to Paul in all of these cases, these epistles, are likely community rabbis or lay leaders seeking guidance, particularly when things are not going well. This seems to be the case in really all of his letters, as Paul is the one tasked with figuring out how the Gentiles would make their way into the synagogue and become upstanding members. If we were to categorize the content of Paul's letters, we find he mostly stays within the genre of Musar, ethics, or Der Heretz, which is manners and customs. And there's a good reason for this. As the Gentiles had not been assigned the full yoke of the Torah's commandments, like the Jewish people had, Paul did his best to instill foundational ethics from the Torah. Though non-legal, they were critical to building unity in the community, partly because a lot of the Gentiles coming into the synagogue were formerly pagans from various different cultures. They didn't share the underlying fabric of Torah. Striking parallels to these teachings can be found in what's called Perkeavot, the Ethics of the Fathers, an early tractate of the Mishnah, and various other works in the Talmud. And if you go to the website, thehiddenorchard.com, check the show notes for this article. I have the sources listed at the bottom. But what does all of this mean? If indeed Paul's letters are responsa, there are a few considerations for us. Number one, the oral tradition's validity is proven and demonstrated through Paul's letters, his methodology, and the content of his instructions. When he had reached the limit of his ability to adjudicate, he sought counsel from a higher authority, demonstrating an ongoing adherence to the rabbinic process. Number two, responsa aims to provide instructions for a particular situation in time and a place for a particular community. Normally, the rabbi is connected to that community in some way, so he knows the background context, as this is important for his answers. Though Paul's letters contain maxims and various quotations of Torah and, and just in general Torah wisdom, they themselves are not intended to be timeless, uniformly applied across all generations, cultures, and geographic boundaries. This is because new situations inevitably arise. New problems need new answers for which responsa must be written. Number three, as a teacher once told me, when we read the epistles, we're reading someone else's mail. Though the church later canonized these letters into scripture, we should consider them a snapshot from one rabbi to a particular community of antiquity with its own unique struggles. I believe this is why many have struggled to harmonize Paul's letters. They're simply not meant to be used as scaffolding for framework or systematic theologies. The fourth point, Paul's advice is not sufficient for proper Torah observance in modern times, predominantly because they addressed specific issues of his Gentile audience, not the Jewish audience. Further, his audience had the ability to seek clarity if they had trouble understanding his words. As we know, Paul's words are said to have been confusing. Modern readers of Paul do not. For Jews, Paul's words lack instructive halakhic information for Torah observance. For instance, dietary laws, how to keep Shabbat, as modern times present new changes and challenges. For that, you need a rabbi and you need a community and you need resources who are intimately familiar with your lifestyle and your spiritual development. And five, it's doubtful that Paul could foresee our times as our context differs almost completely from his. 
For one, the world is no longer devoid of monotheism, as it was in Paul's day. Messianic communities now exist apart from the synagogue setting, and have for some time. And these Messianic communities are spread across the globe into regions and cultures that simply didn't exist in Paul's time. In other words, the modern world poses very different problems and realities than Paul ever imagined. So in conclusion, when we explore the epistles of Paul from the perspective of rabbinic responsa, we can begin to properly frame them, understand them, and appreciate their wisdom and their brilliance, marvel at the awesome task Paul sought to resolve, but we can also appreciate their limitations. We can then look to the Jewishness of Paul, his thought process, the framework from which he taught, and the validity of the Jewish tradition, which is still unfolding, offering wisdom to those who seek it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information like this, again, visit our website, thehiddenorchard.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and look out for other articles posted there throughout the weeks. Reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, have a great week.